0: Pray Again, and so <clears throat> the, the theme verse is confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <clears throat> In the book, it says true prayer brings us to God. Prayer brings heaven's help to earth's needs. We have access to God through our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray to our Heavenly Father in the name of the Son, enabled by the Holy Spirit. All three parts of God, the Trinity, are in sync as we pray. In James chapter 5 and verse 13 and following, it says, Is any among you afflicted? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man of subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed, and earnestly, prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. <clears throat> so here we have the subject of prayer at the end of James, and he uses Elias, or the Old Testament Elijah, uh, to as an example. The Lord brings us to the conclusion of this practical book of the Bible. In giving this illustration of Elijah's prayer, God emphasizes that Elijah was only a man. He was a man of like passions like us. Not anything special or different or unusual. He was just a man. The emphasis is not on his prayer, but on the God who divinely intervened. It wasn't because he made such an awesome, amazing prayer as much as he prayed. And he had an awesome, amazing God. You and I need to seek the Lord's intervention in our lives. He's the one that can change things and people. And so we look, real quick, let's look at a couple places. First Kings chapter 17 and 18. First Kings chapter 17 and 18. This is the story that James 5 is referring to. <clears throat> In James 5, it's talking about Elias or Elijah praying, and it stopped raining. Imagine, I mean, we we read it, and it's like, yeah, okay, but think about it. Three, how long did it say? <coughs> It rained not in the earth for the space of three years and six months because he prayed? Wow. 1 Kings 17, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Then chapter 18, and verse 42, we see the other half of that. Where it says, so Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea. And Carmel, you can look over the Mediterranean Sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And so that's the story here. And and again, we read it flippantly. We read it fast. Three and a half years of no rain, and then he prays, and God allows rain to fall again on the country. That's amazing. And uh, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The other passage that it's given to us is Luke chapter 22, and it might not seem to fit what we're talking about, but Luke chapter 22 it's the story when Peter and Jesus are talking, and Peter thinks he's macho and thinks that he's not going to deny Christ and that everyone else might, but he won't. And Jesus warns him about something, and it says and says some very frank things to him in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And here's, here's the, so here Jesus is saying, Simon, you're going to fail. You think you're going to uh, stand for me, but you're going to deny me. And then he says in verse 32, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You're going to learn a lesson. I don't want your faith to stop, but you're going to be humbled and you're going to learn a lesson. And then it says at the end of verse 32, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now we've been studying on the apostles on Sunday nights and I was saying a few weeks ago that Peter did not get saved after this event. Some people think converted means getting saved and, and that can be part of it. But this this idea of being converted is, to be a different man. You are saved. He's already a believer. He's already following the Lord, but he was not yet converted. He was still the old Peter in a lot of ways. And that's. let me just stop and say that that's most of our problem. Most of us as, as human beings, we get saved, but we don't necessarily convert. We're still kind of the old nature. We still have that old self in us. And what was going to happen is, is Peter was going to be humbled so much that he was disgusted with himself, that he was no longer proud of himself or confident in himself. The world says this is a terrible thing, but the Bible teaches this is a wonderful thing because then all of a sudden you can start to realize it's not about me and my ability and my strength and my my attitude. It's about God. And so that's what Jesus is saying. I'm waiting for you to get converted. You're saved, but I'm waiting for you to change and to be a different man than you are right now. And we know that Peter did change, and became a much more useful disciple of Christ and was able to preach and thousands of people got saved. The reason why this passage is in here is because you and I need to be converted. You and I get saved, but we still think a lot of times like the world thinks. I mean, it's, it's a natural thing for us to do. It's human nature. But when we pray with an understanding that God can do it and not me, and it's not my ability to get it done, but rather God's ability to do it through me, that's the conversion. When we really change and we really become Christ-like and more like a Christian, like Christ, uh, a new person, and that's how we need to pray. And so the effectual fervent prayer of a converted person, of a righteous man, as it says in James, that's the idea here. And so as we keep reading in the book, the bottom of page 53, it says, the Lord can heal people in answer to prayer. He can, and he has. He has a purpose in our illness, though. There could be a reason, and he has a purpose. He always does. God intends to accomplish his will. His will is the main thing. And maybe his will is for the illness to take place for a reason that we don't understand. So James chapter 1 and verse 4 says that we should allow patience to have her perfect work. We should allow patience to do its thing in our life and to be patient while God is working. Three and a half years is a long time to go without rain. Allow patience to have her perfect work, to be patient and wait on the Lord. Thinking of that, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and we see paul paul he didn't just walk around i am the apostle paul halo over his head nothing wrong everything just a bed of roses no that's just not how it was in second corinthians chapter 11 and just picking up in verse 24 he talks about the issues and things that he faced see he used to be popular among the the hebrews the jews because he was persecuting the Christians, those people that were preaching and talking about Jesus all the time. But he got saved. And not only did he get saved, but God began to convert him <coughs> into what was the Apostle Paul. But here's part of it. Here's part of the background that we wouldn't like. We don't appreciate this part of it. Second Corinthians 11, verse 24. And of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. What does that mean? five times i was whipped 39 times 39 stripes 40 minus 1 they i guess apparently 39 was the maximum that was the legal limit you could whip someone 39 times i guess 40 was was near death and so 39 was by a thread and so he said i was whipped this way five times 5 times 39 is how many stripes he had just because he was a Christian. Twenty-five. Thrice was I beaten with rods. How many of you have been beaten with rods one time? Once I was stoned, and you can read about that story of how that he was stoned, and it says they thought he was dead, and and some believe he really was dead because he talks about having an an out-of-body experience, and uh, and and probably was kind of unconscious, and they thought he was dead. They stopped stoning him because they assumed he died but he was able to revive. And so once I was stoned, and stoning is not just little hand-sized rocks, it's big boulders that they would pick up with probably two hands or a great big boulder with one hand and throw it at the person until they were crushed and they were no longer breathing. So once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. We can read about one of those shipwrecks at the end of Acts, in Acts 28, 27. He was shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep. A whole day have I been out in the ocean after a shipwreck. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, there was a time in the book of Acts where men swore that they were going to kill him and they weren't going to eat any food until they killed Paul. In perils by my own countrymen, other Jews who were angry with me, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, fakes, people who were trying to trick me and trap me. Verse 27, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside these things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches care of all the churches the the concern and the burden for all the other people that i'm trying to minister to and the churches that need help and verse 29 who is weak and i am not weak who is offended and i burn not <clears throat> and then in verse 1 of chapter 12 he talks about this out of the body experience it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory i will come to visions and revelations of the lord i knew a man in christ about 14 years ago whether in the body or I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven he he had an out of body experience so to speak and I think it probably happened during that stoning but it was a revelation it was a mystery it was something special that God spoke to him from heaven and gave him uh, revelation of course this is before the Bible is complete and so that was that was not unusual for God to do that with some of his apostles and prophets but Because of this out-of-body experience and this special revelation, a man could get proud. I mean, how many of you can say, I had an out-of-body experience and God spoke to me and gave me special revelation? By the way, if I were to stand up and say, God has given me special revelation, you probably should just go somewhere else from now on. Because that's just not how it's supposed to work. We already have the complete word of God today. But back then, the word of God was not complete. And God did give his holy prophets and apostles special revelation. And so Paul is saying, I can't glory in this. I can't be proud of this. It says here in verse number five, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which is he seeth me to be or that he heareth me to be. I mean, he kind of had special elite status here. Not very many people can say they had a special revelation from God. But Paul could. And it was because of the sufferings. And it was because of the endurance. And that's why we're talking about let patience have her perfect work. God wants to do things in your life, but it might not be comfortable and it might not feel good. But be patient and endure and understand that the trial that you're having, the trouble that you're having is probably something that God has ordained and orchestrated so that you then can be a blessing to the world and glorify him. So this is what Paul says in verse 7. lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Because I had these special revelations, unless I should be exalted above measure and become some celebrity. There was, and proud in my own mind, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of satan to buffet me lest i should be exalted above measure what in the world is a thorn in the flesh well it could be literal thorn i don't think it was a literal thorn in the flesh because i think you could probably pull the thing out if it was but it's just a, an expression of a, of a of a constant if you've ever had a a sliver or something you know in your skin and it just can't get it out it just it just constantly annoys you and just constantly eats at you, and and, and, and you can't stop thinking about it. Someone said, well, maybe a thorn in the flesh is Mr. Spear. No, I I can see where they're going with that, but no, I don't think that's what it is. What is a thorn in the flesh? A thorn in the flesh? I think in Paul's case, based on some other things that he wrote, because sometimes he said, uh, a large letter I wrote you, or I let someone else, I dictated it, I let someone else write the letter, I think it was his eyesight. If he was stoned almost to death, if he had all these other beatings and beaten with rods three times, and, and it's very possible that his eyes, not just, not just getting old. I mean, getting old can do things to your eyes. My eyes aren't very good and get worse. But with all that, it could be with head trauma, he could have some really bad eyesight. Uh, and, and some people think it could be that. I think that's a, a plausible thing. Well, when you're going blind, that'll humble you. You know, when you've got to have someone else lead you around and help you because you just can't see like you used to and and you fumble and stumble. And so Paul says, this thorn in my flesh, whatever it was, he says, God gave it to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And then verse 8, he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. I asked God to take it from me. Three times I prayed. And here was his answer. Verse 9, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. No, I'm not going to take your thorn away. My grace is sufficient for thee. Well, that's not the answer I wanted. But but he did answer your way you didn't expect. He said, no, I'm not going to take away your thorn. I'm just going to give you more grace. And then he says, for my strength is made perfect In weakness. God says this to Paul. My my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, I get stronger in your life as you get weaker. And then Paul says at the middle of verse 9. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Whoa, that's not usual talk. I actually rejoice in the infirmity. In reproaches. In necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. When I was strong physically, I didn't I didn't have the spiritual strength. We are praying about being strengthened in the inner man. Brother Bill was preaching that a few months ago and we, we have that in our prayer list now. That we would pray for each other to be strengthened inwardly. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I wanted strength on the outside. I wanted get rid of this thorn so i could be strong on the outside and god says but you can be stronger on the inside with the thorn and i would rather you be stronger on the inside than the outside and that's hard for us to swallow because we don't like that that's not comfortable but that's what god wanted for paul and i don't think paul's the only one he wants it for and notice something here in verse number seven unless I should be exalted above above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. I think I would have wrote it, somebody put a thorn in the, but he writes it, there was given, in other words, it's a gift. My thorn in the flesh is a gift from God. I don't know where Gene and Larry are this morning. I hope they're okay and hope they're going to be here soon. But when we had a Christmas program years ago and a young girl across the road came over and invited her to the program, they came and that was the first time they'd ever come to our church. But it was shortly after Larry started to have health problems. He had had cancer. He was losing his teeth. He just wasn't Larry the basketball player and coach that he used to be when he was younger or Larry the business owner that he was even a few years previous. What he was, was Larry the humbled guy who realized, I'm probably going to die someday. They had, they had zero church membership. They had zero background in church, really. But through an invitation to a Christmas program, they heard the gospel. And the humble heart came up to me afterwards and said, you said something tonight. I want to talk to you about that some more. Man, I... I went over there as soon as I could, and we visited, and then they came to church, and they got saved within a month of that Christmas program. They had gotten saved. And you know what? His health isn't what it used to be, but it saved his soul. It reached his inner man, and he is much stronger inwardly than he ever was before as a, as a believer. And you know what? It's the, humble, it's the humble spirit that says, that was given to me. Because that's not how we think. We think like, so and so did this to me. No that that was that was actually a gift. Wow, and that's how Paul wrote it. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So, the box says believers cannot strengthen anyone until they have been strengthened by the Lord first. That that inner man is strengthened, and and that's what the converted is. You're converted. You're not the same person that used to be so we're going to have to quickly go through these points today as we go to page 54 pray for the sick and by the way as far as larry and Jean, their friends know they've changed their friends in the community know their old friends know they have a church family now and they have a different attitude about things and praise the lord for that well pray for the sick there are sick and afflicted among us everywhere how do we deal with this we should begin in prayer, as James chapter five says, verse thirteen and fourteen. We should pray to God, who can do all things. We should not pray with the resignation and fatalism. We should not pray, "Well, God, <coughs> you can do it if you want to, and He can do it if He wants to." But we we need to pray with belief that He that He can heal, and and that maybe He wants to heal. Neither do we order God around, though. We can't just be so bold as to tell Him what to do, because. We, he's not our servant but god says let him pray and so we need to make known to god what we want lord please and paul said three times i prayed for that thorn in the flesh to be removed until i realized after the third time that wasn't god's will to have it removed there is a period of time after christ's ascension when a few people were given the gift of healing but that was before they had the completed written word of God as we have today, as I mentioned before, and so there were signs and wonders done as it says in Hebrews chapter two verse four. those things were done to help promote and to and to spread the the, the gospel and and so that's why in the early days there were signs and wonders and miracles and healings more than we might hear about today. <coughs> Unfortunately today people are duped into supporting and encouraging divine healers and TV healers. TV preachers, and they've been abused by them. Do not put yourself or those you love in that predicament. And I'll even go far as to say that I believe there are some cases where it was Satan that did some kind of a of a magic trick, so to speak, to convince people. And you say, really, I I do believe that 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 Satan could manipulate and I of course I know there are a lot of fakes out there and frauds where where the the person getting healed was actually in on the whole the whole thing and it was nothing but a scam but let's say someone really did get a physical healing let's say that somehow there was there was what seems to be some sort of a healing i still think satan could be behind that somehow if god would permit it because you know what if someone is proud of the fact that they got physically healed but they don't get saved You know what happens to people who who do get healed? Eventually they still die, right? So which is more important? The salvation of their soul or a physical healing? In Jesus' day there were lepers that got cleansed, but one came back and glorified God and Jesus said, your faith hath made you whole. Not just outward, but inward. Those other nine might have just got a leprosy cleansing and not a salvation. Don't Don't put yourself or those you love in a predicament where you're going to divine healers as if, you know, and and, and don't misunderstand. We'll talk about this, but people are so desperate for this life and this health to stay good that they're not getting the big picture, which is maybe God's allowed you to have bad health, as I mentioned with Larry a while ago, that, that that would help you to see your needs spiritually. And yet you see the TV preachers and so so focused on the outward as if that's the most important. But we are to pray for the sick and there's nothing wrong with that. And we should. And we should pray with a desire and the understanding that God can heal and maybe he will if that's his will. And then secondly, call for others who love the Lord to pray for you. <coughs> if there's someone sick in the, or afflicted, the Bible says let him call for the elders of the church back there in James chapter 4 or James chapter 5 verse 14. And so the Bible does tell us to do this and we have done this and you know what in one case the person did recover in another case the person did not recover it wasn't because of the individuals one being better than the other it was just the will of god but we did we did it for both because that's what the bible tells us to do let him call for the elders of the church and pray over them this is someone who loves the lord and loves the local church but is confined to a place he's unable to leave <clears throat> he needs someone to come to where he is, even the man that was carried by the four and they tore open the roof and dropped him down. He needed Christ, but he needed someone to bring bring him and help him because he didn't have the physical ability to do it on his own. so there needs to be others that help and are there and 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 will bear you up and These people who come are the elders of the church maybe they come to a home of someone who is invalid or they bedridden and uh they're in the nursing home and they come and they and they go to them not some healer passing through town people who are seriously ill can be very vulnerable to false teachers there was a lady that we we had a we had a, a situation where my wife was sick she was she was not doing well she was losing weight she was not sleeping she was just things were cattywampus in her in her makeup, in her in her chemical balance, if you want to call it that, and uh, everyone's giving her suggestions and and uh, and even offering, well, I had this problem here. Try this pill, and I'm like, doo, doo. but anyway, um, through God and through prayer <clears throat> and through His mercy, He helped my wife to recover from that. But we prayed over her and we took it seriously, and so then I I even wrote about it in a in a newspaper article several months later, and and there was a a lady in our town that called us and said, I want you to pray over me because I am hurting. I don't blame that lady for calling. Um, Unfortunately, they weren't, I don't think, belonged to a church. And of course, I explained to them, her and her husband, that your salvation is way more important than your health. They assured me that they were saved, but they hadn't been going to church. And I could see the desperation in her eyes that she just wanted healing. And I need to tell it right away. There's no special powers in, in us to be able to heal you at all. Uh, if God wants to heal you, he will. And if he doesn't, you need to know why and what's going on in your life. What's he doing? So encourage them with the word of God. James chapter 5 and verse 14. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let, him pray, let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. So, encourage them with what the Bible says. Yes, God can heal. And we can pray and see God directly, divinely intervene. We certainly can, and he has in some cases. And Sometimes he has a different plan. So then on the top of page 55, pray in one accord. Whatever God uses, even if it's a medical personal, personnel along with those praying, even if it's someone who is a medical professional, we ought to pray. In this passage, in verse 14, it talks about uh, uh, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. I don't think we should put so much emphasis on the oil here. I think the oil simply was a medicinal thing that they would use, but they would not just anoint them with the oil, but they would pray over them. You've heard of essential oils. Someone said the most essential oil is bacon grease. I don't know, but anyhow... Um, I do, I mean, I have an on-guard cough drop in my pocket that comes from essential oils. Um, and I think there's some merit to it. I don't think you ha- actually have to buy a certain brand or whatever. But I can see what, what what's being said here is that certainly use those remedies and use those things that have been proven to help in some cases. And my wife says oregano is a good thing. And uh, it, it'll help burn up things. And there's natural antibiotics and things like that that are out there but the emphasis in the bible is not on the oil i was kidding one time maybe it's 5w30 pens oil or something like that the emphasis is not the oil the emphasis is here anointing him with oil in the name of in other words we're we're asking god to use this and then verse 15 and the prayer of faith shall save the sick not the oil shall save the sick All right, it's the prayer of faith that's emphasized here that does the most good, not necessarily the oils. (coughs) So pray, that's the main thing here. In serious situation where someone is so ill that he is either homebound or cannot get out of the place he's in, someone needs to go to him. And it is the Lord who receives the glory. The Lord shall raise him up. Not your medicine, not your oil, but the Lord shall raise him up. It's not some special, you know, there's so much tourism in the Middle East and, and Israel. Um, you know, they'll sell frankincense and they'll sell other oils over there. And, and, of course, people, oh, this came from the Holy Land. You know, whatever, you know. Um, but I do believe there are some essential oils. There are some things that will help. There are some proven remedies that aren't just artificial medicines but true natural ways that, that can help things. But let's not trust in those things but rather in the prayer. And so in the next thought in verse 16, it says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The next thought we need to see here is that some sickness is because of sin. I didn't say all sickness. It's wrong to, to say that. But that's why we had communion just a few Sunday nights ago. First Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. That's what it says. First Corinthians eleven, concerning the Lord's Supper and Communion, it says, And let a man examine himself, verse twenty eight. Verse twenty nine, He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to his body, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord certainly there are times when people are sick because they have not confessed sin that needs confessed confess your faults one to another and pray one for another if it if it isn't someone else's business or or problem you don't necessarily need to confess it to them but if you do have a sin and a confession that needs to be said to someone you need to not just talk to god about it but you need to talk to them about it first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there are times where the illness is, and I would say it this way, you're praying and you're asking God for healing and and the Holy Spirit says, what about this? And now that you're desperate, you're saying, wow. In Larry's case, it was, what about your eternal destiny, not just your health? See, God gets your attention with the illness. The physical illness you've been ignoring something inwardly that i'm now getting your attention with the physical problem you're having so as you cry out to god he'll let you know if this illness has something to do with your disobedience see that and then verse 16 at the bottom it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much effectual means effective it means there will be results. God's power will be on display. One Corinthians sixty nine says, "Effectual, effectual opportunity—a door is open to me. It's effective. Only God could do it. That's effectual. God did it. And the effectual, fervent prayer, fervent in spirit, the idea of of with intensity and and uh, and, and and just fervently, not haphazardly or, or flippantly. Most of our praying is tentative and. And passive. And, and just out of habit. And, and the effectual fervent prayer is probably going to involve some tears. And some heartbreak and heartache and agony. And true desire and focus. <clears throat> Take hold of God to do something only he can do. God will hear the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. He might not answer the way you want it answered. But he will hear. And he will give you the answer you need to hear. Like Paul not going to remove the thorn. Just going to give you more grace. Pray, and God will become the answer to your prayer. Genesis 15, 1 says, God told Abram, I am thy reward. I am your reward. I'm the answer. You think the answer is a, a, a healed body. No, I'm actually your answer. Pray, and God will become the answer to your prayer. So don't stop praying. Pray again. That's the title of the lesson. Pray again. Pray again because maybe he just wants you to pray again before he's going to heal you or before he's going to fix the problem. Or pray again because he's not going to heal you, but he's going to give you an inner man that you never had before. He's going to convert you in other ways that will make you a better person than you ever were before. So keep praying. Pray again. Don't stop. Pray again. Don't stop. Our prayer life is our Christian life, so keep praying. Pray again. All right, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for our opportunity to be in church this morning in Sunday school and to talk about this subject of prayer. It's so easy to quit when we don't get what we want, especially as soon as we think we need it. Help us to trust you and help us to realize that maybe you're building us in a different way and maybe you're answering our need in a way we didn't think about. Maybe you're developing the inner man and you're converting us through the outward issue. But help us to never stop praying. And help us to learn and to realize maybe there's things in our life you want changed or confessed. But help us to not forget to pray. Help us to always pray again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.